Bigfoot Society would like to thank the following sponsors for helping make the podcast possible. The Singular Fortean Society has combined open and honest paranormal investigation and journalism since 2016. Visit the Society at Singular Fortean for all the latest weird news and more. Come with us and investigate the impossible. Lauren Smith is the hostess for Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio, which has been on air for over a decade and has completed over 300 shows. Lauren brings with her a unique viewpoint given that she is not only the daughter of one of the veteran female Bigfoot researchers in the South, but she has been conducting field research since she was a preteen some 20 years ago. Nightcallers is a Bigfoot world favorite, and along with interviewing researchers and witnesses, often features interviews with guests from the documentary film and entertainment industry. Lauren also does a vidcast segment called Nightcallers, which features real encounters sent in by viewers. You can find all of this and more at nightcallersproductions.com. Welcome to the Bigfoot Society Clubhouse, where we discuss a new or old topic in cryptozoology every week. Just hang out and have a good time. I do need to let you know that by hanging out with us on stage and talking in the discussion, you are giving consent to uh, being recorded, which will be used in a future Bigfoot Society podcast, uh, YouTube video, could be anything that you could imagine coming down the pipe. If you're not comfortable with that, uh, please go ahead and move on down to the audience. Uh, sit back, relax, have a good time. Again, thanks to all for uh, hanging out. And, uh, let's just have a good time. All right, all. Well, thanks for hanging out uh, tonight in the Bigfoot Society Clubhouse room. We got plenty of new people because uh, of... Android is finally active on the platform. This is a great week. Um, I'm my name is Jeremiah. Of course, I'm the host of Bigfoot Society. I'm gonna start by going first here. Uh, got a few people up on stage with me right now. I got Greg from All the Weird, Kenzie from Crypto Chats podcast, Ashley from On Wednesdays We Talk Weird, and uh, Tate from the Bluff Creek uh, Project podcast. But uh, the question I came up with is, uh, what exactly is cryptozoology? So we're going to be going over what are questions we thought of that people new to cryptozoology might have, because people will be listening to this on YouTube and also uh, on the podcast as well. So could be all sorts of people that are listening to this. So what is cryptozoology? Um, well, of course, as Greg kind of mentioned earlier, uh, he said to me, how many people do you think will be reading from uh, Lauren Coleman's book? Uh, hopefully a few of them because uh, his books are amazing. But I wanted to use the uh, intro of uh, Lauren's book, Cryptozoology A to Z, to kind of bring up a few things that he lays out. So uh, first we need to know what cryptozoology is. Um, of course... Uh, it lays out that cryptozoology is a science of hidden animals. Uh, a cool thing that's laid out is uh, we need to be aware that it's the possible existence of known animals in areas where they were not supposed to occur, either now or in the past, as well as the unknown persistence of presumed extinct animals to the present time or to the recent past. Uh, pretty much the thing here is that it's unexpected. So uh, it's not just your Bigfoots, your Loch Ness Monster, or sorry, Bigfoot, 
uh, your your Mothman. It's also maybe your coelacans. Your coelacans. I will mispronounce every word tonight. Don't worry about that. Um, but <laughs> there's Can also I add to that? yes, yeah. and actually, I'm about to open it up. So, what do we feel about uh, what cryptozoology is? And Tate, go right ahead. Well, I mean, so cryptozoology it doesn't necessarily have to refer to anything like Bigfoot or Loch Ness or you know Chupacabra or what have you. Uh, as as hard as it may seem to be, even known animals today were considered cryptozoology studies back then. Um, pandas, I mean, before that, I'm sure were considered in the field of cryptozoology because they weren't discovered until 1869 of March. So there's just example of a known animal through cryptozoology studies that's proven now as a real animal and something we see all the time. That is a really, really good example. Thank you, Tate. Anyone else has anything? Uh, and before we go on, I do want to say, if there's anyone in the audience that was like, wow, I really have something to uh, add to this particular question they're bringing up, feel free to raise your hand. We can bring you up on stage, and uh, and definitely you can join in the discussion. But anyone else on the panel have any uh, things they would want to add into uh what cryptozoology is or how we can define that. I mean, it's a, it's a scientific approach to uh, looking at uh, mythologies, uh, tales, legends, um, disproving things um, before um, we rule things out. Right. Um, Yeah. It's it's more than just a more, more than just like fairy tales and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I think cryptozoology is a very, it's a very scientific method of research, but I just, this is my opinion. I just think the word cryptozoology isn't taken serious for, you know, scientists and people who get involved in serious research like that. I mean, that may not be true at all. That's just what I feel like. I I feel like there's, uh, there's definitely something to what you're saying there. I think that could be a discussion in itself uh, one time, actually. You know, is cryptozoology taken seriously? I think there's a whole discussion there as well. Um, unless uh, someone had something else to add, uh, let's get on to the next uh, question. Did uh, Does anyone want to volunteer to go next? All right, Greg, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we had to have a question ready. Um, What somebody new to cryptozoology would ask. Hmm. Um, I'd I'd probably, the first thing I'd probably ask is like, do you actually believe in this stuff? That's, that's like, it's a personal question, but that's a good question. I um, will, I will answer the question. I, I will join in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do. I believe in this stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's personally what, you know, got me into this stuff was that I, uh, you know, of course I saw the Patterson Gimlin film and I just couldn't believe that other people did not believe that that was, you know, an actual flesh and blood creature and you know how they thought it, it could have been a man in a suit, you know, at the time being. Um, but 
Yeah. Um, you know, I was actually speaking with somebody yesterday um, because I was, you know, I was questioning an eyewitness account that somebody had had. And, you know, you, you got to tread carefully with those things. And, you know, I, I kind of put a stop to the animosity uh, kind of coming in and, and reminded them that, hey, listen, I, I believe in anomalous phenomena. I wouldn't I would do this if I didn't. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I believe in it so much that I think that there is truth to, um, you know, a lot of these things. And, and that's why I do it. Yeah, that would that would lead to uh, the other question of like, why why look into this stuff? What what's driving people to look into cryptozoology? Yeah, exactly, Greg. It's like why take all the time to research if Bigfoot is real or not? And I think for me, it's like just the the feeling that okay, we live in this world. It's twenty twenty one, and just the feeling or the the small the small thing that there could be things out there that are undiscovered and unproven and i want to have a little part in that in figuring out the truth about these creatures that could be large they could be small new creatures are being discovered every day but for me that's how i would answer that question I guess I got a couple questions in there, so um, I'm going to pass the mic on. Um, Ashley, did you want to go? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Um, yeah, I will take it away. My question uh, would be new to it. I, I want to go out and I want to go look for these cryptids. Um, what do I need? What equipment do I need to, to get started? Ooh, to answer that, I got a good answer. I would go to Bigfoot Society podcast and we <laughs> did a whole episode on uh, um, what gear. So if there's there's an option or an opinion to go listen and see what you need. Tate, I, I appreciate the plug on my own podcast. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing work. Um, I would say, though, to answer Ashley's question, uh, on the one hand, I need equipment with me to to be prepared to go out in the field. So I'm thinking maybe backpack, maybe some, you know, not just tennis shoes. Maybe I want to have things that I can, uh, I can collect samples uh, that I find on the ground in, or, or maybe I can have a track casting kit with me. But on the other hand, if I'm going to be doing some interviews and research, maybe I also want to start uh, getting some type of recording equipment, maybe some like audio recorder or, or uh, if you really wanted to get into it, you could get like a little mini podcasting studio, but you can really start with like a little audio recorder or you can even use your, if you have a smartphone, you've got an audio recorder with you already. Uh, it's pretty crazy. All the stuff that you can do on your smartphone. That's the things that come to mind uh, right away for me, at least. Ooh, and you had to go along with that. I was going to say your smartphone, even if you want to do like in the field uh, interviews or um, if you see interesting um, evidence that might be something to take pictures of, you can use a smartphone. Another thing I love to take in the field with me, and I, I'm kind of sometimes bad about this, but I keep like a um, one of my backpack all the time now, um, is a tape measure because – 
if you see like a footprint or something, scale is very important. That's one thing people always like. There's nothing in the in the frame of scale, you know, to re- reference it. How big is it? Uh, tape measure or some kind of ruler or something is good to use um, in that degree. That's actually like that's a really huge advice take because it's like even if you take a picture with your own shoe next to the footprint it's like man that that tape measure gives you like that five four inches on the tape measure like you can't that is that you know like that's gonna tell you what is truth uh lisa what are your thoughts on this Well, for one of my classes that I was teaching, we made Bigfoot hunting kits for the kids. And one of the things that we included that I found really important were little plastic baggies with tweezers. That way, if you came across a sample of a specimen that you wanted to collect to do research on, you could go ahead and store it safely. Uh, So that was another important thing that we put in our kits and pen and paper. That way you can take notes on anything you might see. Totally. Yeah, with the pen and the paper, that's like using your brain and you really have to bring knowledge with you into the field. Uh, research the, uh, the cryptid you're, you're looking for. Um, read everything you can. Research the area you're going to. Look at it on uh, Google Maps, uh, satellite images. See what the terrain is like. Um, Be prepared uh, clothing-wise, weather-wise. And just bring knowledge as well as the equipment. Oh, definitely. And and something that's come up in a ton of interviews uh, that I've done lately is just get get good with researching this kind of goes off of the whole you know this doesn't have to do with equipment but don't just look into the internet for your research there's more than just in the internet be start going to your local libraries get be able to look into old newspapers read those old newspapers sometimes you have to learn new machines in order to do that called microfiches um be able to interview maybe older people in your community. Uh, the Also, the cool thing that Lyle Blackburn told to me is don't feel bad because you're not in the Pacific Northwest or you're not in some other area that you don't live that has all the cryptids. You're not in West Virginia. Find out the weird in your area and become the expert of that weird in your area. And I, that's some of the best advice that I've ever gotten on on any of my interviews. So that was, that was awesome. Nick, I'm pumped That's to have you up on I, stage. I really like that, uh, that advice. Oh yeah. It's Miles, totally rocking. Smart guy. He knows his stuff. He is. He is. Nick, what brings you up to stage, man? Yeah. So, uh, first off, good to be back. <laughs> I think Greg was talking about, uh, keeping like just general equipment on him. I mean, you need to really keep in mind that you're not just like going out into like, the woods behind your house like i was in point pleasant like a month and a half ago uh and my car actually ended up dying <laughs> uh and i drive like a little or at the time i drove like a little shitty sedan and i didn't have any of my like camping gear on me or anything of that nature uh so it's always important to like keep like just your basic hiking and like camping gear on you because unfortunately things happen where you're not exactly sure when the worst can happen 
Yeah, let people know where you're going to. Yeah, hundred percent. Have a plan. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Definitely go along with Nick. Uh, I've had this happen, and people in my group have had this happen. We've gotten flat tires. Make sure you have a good spare and like a can of fix a flat or something. That's always good. Every single time we go to Point Pleasant um, or just West Virginia in general when we're investigating. Um, and we're pulled over on the side of the road. Somebody always stops, and <laughs> no, no, that's not always going to happen. But um, I just wanted to add that anecdote. It's funny they're they're so friendly there. Yeah, I spent eight hundred dollars this last trip in California just on tires because I one tire I punctured and it was just beyond repair. So luckily it was luckily it worked out. And uh, Nick, we we're getting a, just a teensy bit of feedback uh, from you. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, but I'm kind of going to be that guy. Um, <laughs> wow. I know, right? Yeah, it, was, it was ultimate savagery, guys. <laughs> um, who haven't – this is some good discussion. Who haven't we heard from on the panel yet? And um, Kenzie, have we heard from you yet? No, I, I wasn't going to say much today, but right. I couldn't figure out how to move myself to the audience. So I've oh, word, word. Um, but I guess since I'm still up here, I'll, I'll throw in a question. Um, I guess my question is, like, where do you start? You know, because there's so many things. So where where do you start? Where would you guys start? For me, I would start with whatever is the most interesting to that person. I mean, that would be my suggestion. If they're interested in a certain cryptid, then that is where you start. If, uh, if your goal is to go out and find Bigfoot, you do the research, figure out where sightings have occurred, and go out and find Bigfoot or whichever other cryptid you're interested in uh, starting with. Um. For me personally, <laughs> you guys may or may not agree with this. Um, start like Monster Quest on TV. I mean, you can find it on YouTube and iTunes and Amazon or what have you. But Monster Quest is cool because they have like Chupacabra, Mothman, Bigfoot, giant alligators, giant bears. They have like they're covering the whole gamut on there. So I honestly, that, that's probably. You could do that. That's a jumping point, if you will. You can start getting your feet wet learning about it, and then you can learn some of the players in that field because they interview people from each field that do research for that cryptid. So I think Monster Quest is a good jumping off point, in my opinion. Honestly, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I remember vividly watching Monster Quest like, growing up. I was like, oh, we thought that was cool. But to, to kind of play off of what Jeremiah was saying earlier, finding what's like closest to you. So I grew up in Connecticut, so I had the melon heads. So my friends and I would go, you know, melon head hunting because we thought it was funny and B it was close enough to us where we could just, that was our night. Um, so yeah, monster quest and just keeping it local at first. It's just always a great way to start off. Yeah. I, I totally love that idea guys. Um, I, I agree with figure out what you're drawn to. Are you drawn to reading? 
watching video, uh, comic books. I mean, the nice thing about cryptozoology right now is that it is in every medium. It's crazy podcasts. There's plenty of cryptozoology podcasts. But I think another cool thing is kind of do a little research and figure out what are the weird festivals that happen in my area or maybe within an hour or two that I can like check out because it's a whole different story once you actually start to like, you know, meet people as well. But yeah, start with like the monster quest, start with the easy stuff. You know, maybe you can't go, not everyone has a uh, fan meter visitor festival in their town. Like, uh, you know, this guy, but, uh, uh, yeah, just use what's available to you, you know? I also want to add in, um, one resource that I really like uh, are the, uh, weird USA books because they've got them. I'm, pr I'm pretty sure they have them for every state. Um, you know, I agree with the staying local to kind of your area and things that you can easily get to and, you know, kind of experiment with yourself. Um, and then of course, you know, the obvious use the internet. I mean, it's such a big resource that we have nowadays. Um, you know, start, if a certain, you know, creature cap, you know, captures your interest, um, definitely look into it and, um, you know, start following. If you happen to come across an article that you really like or a, a book that you really like, an author of some sort, stop, start following them on social media. See what else they have out there. Mm, that's rocking. That's rocking. I'm going to do a quick reset uh, just so that I, everyone in the room knows what's going on. So we are doing a discussion today about Cryptozoology 101. Started out as uh, we came with some questions that maybe someone new to Cryptozoology uh, had. It has morphed kind of into everyone throwing out their advice, which is awesome. And there's some really good stuff being thrown out tonight. Uh, if anyone in the audience has something that they would like to share, uh, keep in mind this is going to be going out to YouTube, to all the different podcast platforms. So if you've got some advice for people that are new to cryptozoology, feel free to raise your hand. We'll bring you up on stage. I see my uh, my buddy Paul's got something to say. Come on up, Paul. Hi, everybody. Hey, Paul. I'd like to add my two cents. So I have a little bit of experience in cryptozoology, although at the time I didn't think of it as cryptozoology. In the 1990s, I had an opportunity to... Uh, work with a research team that was looking for a turtle in the state of Kansas that hadn't been seen since the 1940s. And I, th I think in what you're talking about, it's important to consider not even, not just topic or, you know, having all the right equipment, but also the, the uh, approach can be very important. We, uh, had the benefit of preserved specimens, of course, so we could look at the anatomy and and uh, earlier publications about this turtle. It was the ironically named common map turtle, so it hadn't been seen for decades, and lots of other research teams had gone out and trapped for this turtle. And we really, you know, if we would have just gone out and trapped like everybody else did, I don't think we would have been successful. But what we did was we took a, a close look at what we knew about the common map turtle. And we just decided to try a new approach and, and looking at its, its uh, musculature of the jaw and these hard plates in its mouth, 
we thought it must be something to do with its diet and we changed the bait we were using for traps and we discovered uh, several unknown populations of the common map turtle in Kansas and so I guess that's a successful uh, cryptozoology research effort and so when we're when you're thinking about applying cryptozoology for finding whatever creature you're looking for I I think if you're doing what everybody else has done and there's been a lot of people looking for uh, things like Bigfoot if you if you're just doing what everybody else has done before your chances for success probably aren't very good and so I guess my my advice would be to uh, try something new or different based upon what you you know about the creature you're investigating that's some that's some solid advice paul thank you yeah don't be afraid to think outside the box we use a little bit from what people have done before then we'll kind of tweak it and see what results we got i like it it's good stuff man thank you that that what paul was saying kind of harkened back to what i was saying about the panda you wouldn't think of it as cryptozoology but <laughs> it's a common animal now just like paul with the turtle you know he didn't think of it as cryptozoology but if it hasn't been seen and really rare then it, yeah i would consider it i would put it in the cryptozoology column totally totally tate i want to uh to remind people if you've got any uh Anything to add to the discussion, feel free to raise your hand. We'll bring you up on stage. Uh, we'll probably be winding down the recorded portion of uh, everything in a few minutes. Uh, while people are thinking if they want to come up on stage or not, do want to remind listeners that you, know, uh, you can DM any of the people that are on stage, uh, myself at Bigfoot Society, Craig, all the weird, Tate, Big, uh, Bluff Creek, <laughs> Project Podcast. Uh, Lisa's up here, Cryptic Comforts. Uh, we got my friend uh, Ashley. Jeez, Ashley, what's your Instagram profile? I don't have the one memorized. I'm terrible. That's oh, okay. it's, it's Ashers. Ashers. That's it. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> with a Z. With a Z. I'll Ashes have it in the show notes for sure. Um, but yeah, any of these people, we can get you an invite uh, to uh, Clubhouse for android or iphone it's still technically in beta so you need to have an invite and then we can get you involved with the conversation uh we also can get you um plugged in with the discord we have as well but um yeah any uh closing uh thoughts or anyone from the audience before we shut down the uh, recorded portion of the discussion tonight yeah don't forget me last but not least Okay, we didn't let Tate go. You dude bag. Oh, you serious? I didn't let you go. Well, you talk so much already. But... Uh... <laughs> all right, go ahead, man. For, Sorry. For, for all of Jeremiah's fans, that's how much he likes me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. Okay, so the question that I had, what are some good resources to utilize? And we kind of answered some of those. You know, podcasts are really good. Monster Quest is one of my big ones. I would suggest that's what I, that's the reason I got into it is how I, you know, I discovered the Patterson Gimlin film through that. But those are a couple 
um, ideas. I have podcasts and some TV shows, but what do you guys think? Totally. Um, old newspaper articles, microfiche, um, your local libraries. Um, oh, let me look at history. Uh, while you're looking that up, Greg, I'm going to say head up, go to your local Goodwill like once a week and just go through the book section. You'll be surprised the weird stuff you'll find in there. I used to do it all the time. And like you'd find some like there'd be some cryptid stuff in there. And like you find a copy, a cheap copy of Cryptozoology A to Z by Lauren Coleman. That's going to help you out so much. Um, uh, Ken Gearhart's, uh Bigfoot book i forget the actual title of it right now but that is a really good intro uh to bigfoot book i like that one um yeah just uh your library of course you don't have to pay for books with that just go to the library and find the cryptozoology section start checking out books and uh and just start uh reading through them see what you find yeah if you get tattoos of bigfoot they'll just give you instant knowledge <laughs> tattoo yeah because it's like in your skin now that's know, true it does go right in, yeah you you become one. Oh my goodness <laughs> that's no don't that's not true chicken taquitos there it is <laughs> all right um anyone else have any final uh thoughts uh tate that was a good that was a good share thank you yeah i was gonna mention um if you're out and about somewhere um please don't just like go touching the water or standing in the water anywhere that you're at <laughs> like this big, especially because most of the time, you know, when we're investigating, we're down in, in the TNT area and like that place is um, disgusting and needs to be cleaned. And, um, you know, I tell everybody it's like instant cancer water. If you touch it, um, just know your environment, please, please, please know your environment. Know if there's, you know, anything like that um, that you need to be aware of. You know, I know down there they've got a bunch of, uh, you know, obviously TNT and DNT in the water it's, and they haven't they've never cleaned it up. Um, so, I mean, just just make sure, you know, before you go. That's what I bathe in at home. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> Actually, that's really good. And going off of that, too, uh Let's say you find a, a report or a story about a cryptid and you're like, okay, it's in this area. Do your research before you – like don't just go onto someone's private property and like there are uh, things, yes. issues that can come out of that that will not be the most fun for you. So well, please like, do you your research. Shot. You could get shot. Oh, yeah, totally, dude. Like, okay, like you're doing Bigfoot calls on somebody's property at night? <laughs> That's a recipe for a bullet. Yeah, they will shoot you. They don't care. Like that people, especially in West Virginia, like, like that, they will shoot you. Yeah. Oh, my boyfriend's had multiple guns pulled on him just at his job for going on to people's property, which is what he gets paid to do. And they've all signed off on it, and they still pull guns on him. That's when I pull my put my hand in my sweater pocket and point at them. <laughs> and who wow. knows? Who knows what that means? But. Uh, but the moral of the story is to be smart and not just to go on someone's private property. Uh, be smart about it. So, yeah, yeah good get stuff. Permission. If they say no, then back off. Yeah, back off. They mean no. Oh, yeah. And just not only property, too, but, like, if you're in areas that you know there's sketchy activity, like, if 
especially in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of pot farmers up there. Be careful, like, and everybody else said, know your area, research it. Oh, for real, yeah. Hulu by uh, Sasquatch by Hulu. Oh man, I don't know if I, that area. Woof. Well, I mean, I think some of those TV shows kind of make it blown out of proportion, but it's still something to take very serious. Oh, for sure, for sure. Matt from Central Florida, what's going on, man? Welcome to the stage here. He might he he might be having issues with the mute button. I think. We have a a mute button in the bottom oh. right hand. Uh, he's got I got it. <laughs> What's up, man? I got it. I can't. I just wanted to look at my profile four times. <laughs> oh God, this this platform is crazy. But anyway, anybody that knows me, I laugh a lot. But anyway, I just wanted to say great conversation as always, and uh, I really liked where you all were going when you said think out of the box and talking tools and. Uh, equipment and recorders and that thing and I think for the most part um, when you're talking recorders and equipment and tape measures and all that stuff a tape measure is the same recorders you know are basically the same you can put wind socks on them that sort of thing but the biggest biggest thing if I could add one thing since this is a cryptology cryptozoology 101 is to um, learn your camera um, I jumped in this uh, from a newspaper and television photographer jumped in the field because I saw all the researchers, 99% of us are out there using GoPros and iPhones. Um, if you're going to do that, put it on a gimbal, number one advice. And I, I have a gimbal, uh, how to use a gimbal on my YouTube page, Central Florida Bigfoot. And I'm also up that one level thinking way outside the box is I'm shooting with a Lumix, Panasonic Lumix um, FZ2500 on an AK 4000 gimbal. And basically I can walk with a two 300 millimeter lens stabilized. And so I'm watching the wood lines about 100, 150 feet, um, or I'm sorry, 100, 150 yards um, out in front of me and stabilized on a gimbal. So it just makes all the difference in the world because I just don't think a lot of things we're missing as uh, independent you know, people out looking is that, you know, using GoPros and iPhones, you're looking at 30, 40 feet, and that's all you're going to see, um, maybe 50 yards. And if you get it and try to blow it up on an iPhone, it's just not going to work. So I've just upped the game with the quality of the camera, learn the camera, put it on a gimbal and stabilize. And I just wanted to throw that in there. Oh, I, that's the that's best. so good. That's, yeah, I like yeah, that. I have a quick question for Matt. Um, what what kind of um, resolution uh, frames per second would you recommend as like quote a good camera? Um, it's not, you know, I, I don't get caught up in that. I shoot thirty frames a second, um, mainly just because of the editor, you know, possibilities I edit in Adobe Pro. Um, sorry, I just walked back inside, so I'm muting my TV. Um, but I edit in Adobe Pro, so I'm shooting, I, I do 30 frames a second. The camera's high res, the lens is high res. I'm shooting, I'm, um, you know, recording MPEG-4 files. So that seems to work good enough for me. And if anyone's looked at my channel, I can actually um, go into my videos in, in post-production as I'm looking out stabilized at 100, 150 yards, which is like four or five times what an iPhone and a GoPro can do already. I can actually throw a magnification bubble on it and it's something new I've been doing. So if I'm watching a ridgeline 150 yards 
and I'm zoomed in at four or 500 millimeters, Panasonic goes from wide angle up to 500. So I can shoot 500 millimeters stabilized. I can also throw a, a, almost a 200% magnification bubble on top of that through Adobe Premiere. And so if anything was at 200 yards, and if it was the size of a person, there is no doubt what I'm shooting. And I'm not even shooting 60 frames a second, nor am I shooting 4K. So it just goes to show you, if I wanted to spend the time shooting 4K, and I wanted to spend the time, you know, with hardware enough to file those images and store that video, think about it. If I'm at 200 yards, I could then enlarge my video almost two and a half times. And That's it would crazy. be, it would be, it's very crazy. And I don't think the field's going to go further um, with iPhones and GoPros. So I'm very anti iPhones and GoPros, unless you're making documentaries and you want to put a body cam on and you want B-roll. If anybody doesn't know what B-roll is, B-roll is the shot that you're, you're shooting a wide shot. Then all of a sudden you want to show yourself, um, you know, your hands on your gimbal as you're walking and then back to the other shot. It's that cutaway. It's a cutaway shot iPhones and uh, GoPros are great for that, but it's not a research camera. And this is why we're getting the blob squatches. This is why people get frustrated. This is why so many channels out there are just pure garbage, in my opinion. And I don't mean to insult anybody, but if you're out there for entertainment, great. Go watch it. Go watch all these channels. But if you want to see what we're really trying to do to move the field forward and not be laughed at and be the you know, laughing stock of town, I just think we need to up the game. And that's all I ask to do. If you shoot with an iPhone, great. Put it on a gimbal and just learn how to use it. That's all I ask. That's amazing. You got to leave the uh, the uh, link to your YouTube video with Jeremiah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think I might have Put already it found it. Notes. Yeah. I just had a quick anecdote. Go for it, Paul. Follow up what uh, Ashley said about being careful where you are. Um, years ago, I was... Uh, trapping for turtles and wearing t-shirt shorts standing waist deep in water and this uh epa team in full hazmat suits came walking by and they they didn't say anything to me they just kind of stopped and looked at me and then walked on kind of <laughs> shaking their heads and come to find out this area was uh an area that was being considered as a an EPA Superfund site. Yep, that's uh, that's oh what I'm saying. Goodness. It happens. Yeah, it happens, and you definitely don't want to. You, know, I mean, you spend your whole week after that, and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I, what did I touch? What did I do? <laughs> do I need to go get checked? It's not fun. I got superpowers. <laughs> yes, I don't have them yet, and I, I think I've made I turned mistakes, into so. Bigfoot. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Oh, there's, this your, is... there's your new sound bite, Jeremy. Yeah, right. Exactly. Man, this has been a super good discussion tonight. I'm going to give uh, uh, one more chance for anyone in the audience if they're wanting to come up and uh, give any more two cents regarding the uh, uh, advice for those new to cryptozoology or cryptozoology 101 questions. You're welcome to it. Um, if Go not... along with Matt real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, and a lot of reasons people get blob squatches is because sometimes I think sometimes not everybody is walking around with a camera, like even researchers and like even people who are walking now, like just other, you know, people who are not involved in research and they get pictures, you're not expecting to see a Bigfoot or any other animal. So 
to whip out your phone or whatever camera you have on you and try and get a picture of it while a thing is in motion and to get it stabilized and focused is going to be really hard to do. So there's a lot of criticism to researchers of like, well, why didn't you get a better picture? Well, that's why. You try to pull out your phone as fast as you can or whatever you have to try and get a picture of something moving. Um, that's, a, that's an excellent point. And one thing you'll know when I watch my videos, I'm pretty much a continuous run. Um, as soon as I get in a spot, you know, 40, 50 yards in, uh, my camera's rolling. <laughs> I don't turn it off. Uh, that's what editing's for. And you're right. If you have a sighting, it's only going to be one to two seconds. Uh, so a lot of times you're going to miss it. And if you're using an iPhone, I do also teach an iPhoneography class. There's three ways to turn on an iPhone, and one of them is power button, swipe right, and you're at your camera. So if you turn off your camera in camera mode and then turn back your iPhone, it should, it should operate in uh, back to camera mode right away. So that's, that's just a couple little tricks there. But I, with the Lumix, I'm running continuous video all the time. I, I never shut it off. Well, to go with that, like if you're going in the field, not only that, but like if you're driving in areas that have really good activity for Bigfoots, like even crossings, I mean, this is this could be for anything. A dash cam is a huge thing. That's that's something Cliff and Bobo talk about on their new podcast is dash cams. Just keep that running like and Matt said. That's what editing's for. Just edit it out. Go back and edit it out. I mean, researchers do that with audio. It's the same thing. Well, I mean, that's why you see like all those uh, those crazy car videos from over in Russia because uh, there's a ton of uh, dash cams in play over there. And just imagine if like we had all the cars over here with dash cams, and we get some crazy stuff. I think, but I mean, that's good advice: is uh, use the dash cams on your uh, on your vehicles, see what you can capture. Throw out trail cams. Uh, on your own property if you're near woods or anything. I need to put like a camera, a wireless camera on a bird or something. Or, you know, get a drone. Oh, well, like if you, you know. if you have, I mean, this is just really just wishful thinking. I just wanted to be, I thought it'd be really cool. But if you have a camera that never dies and it's light, but it has really good resolution and you can put it on a bird bird's an animal it's not going to be anything out of the ordinary and it's silent if you have a camera on that sucker oh my god wait did you say put an actual camera on a pigeon or an or eagle or, or a hawk e oh, or wow. owl or an owl night vision dude, night, ooh, night vision on an owl Ooh, this this is a rabbit trail but i like what you're thinking dude this is totally real <laughs> this is totally unrealistic but it'd be super cool <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Last chance. Any last remarks uh, before I uh, start to wind down the recorded section? Share your research. Yes. What, you find. what would be a what's a good way to share your research? There's a question right there. Not YouTube. Hmm. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> that was a good one. Well, I use uh, I, I do you know my main channel was Instagram, 
Central Florida Bigfoot Instagram. And then only because I'm also a fine art photographer. So the forest language and Bigfoot came as together. And I shoot the breaks and bends people associate with Bigfoot. I just refer to it as forest language. And I'm making fine art images out of it. Um, so I started showing still photos there and then moved into video and finally had a chance through a stroke of luck of co-hosting on Bigfoot Odyssey a couple times, which was able to kick off the YouTube channel. So now I just use YouTube and just feed off to Facebook and just repeat post. Um, but I still keep my Instagram going as pretty much a custom page on its own. But good question. But I try to do all because there's different audiences, which is the reason why um, I reached out to uh, Clubhouse was just to try to grow the audience a little bit, um, you know, because I do not have a Bigfoot in all of my videos. <laughs> my my channel is more about researching and uh, and the joy of the hunt and being out in the woods. So, um, you know, it's hard to grow a channel when you're not showing a Bigfoot in every video. But uh, that's just the way I do it. Straight up. For sure, for sure, man. That's awesome. People always criticize you, no matter what. That's just gonna—that's human nature. That's true, and you gotta have—you gotta have thick skin. Uh, that's a—I think that's a big thing to know is that you may run into some people that are not so nice in this field, and you gotta know why you're in it yourself, and you just gotta keep on going. And if someone's not nice to you, don't worry about it. Just, just keep doing it. Turn the other cheek. Yep. Nobody is better than somebody else. Yes, Greg. Totally. Nobody knows more about cryptozoology than somebody else. We don't have the answers. That's why they're cryptids. That's why this is cryptozoology. It's a place to imagine. It's a place to speculate. But most importantly, it's a space. It's a place to be skeptical and ask hard questions and... Um, Prove yourself wrong. Sometimes learning, it's... Learning like, involves uh, failure and mistakes. So. I was going to say, I think I, I think it's important to go, like what Jared or Greg said, and it's important to share your knowledge, but I think it's important to share what you can, but it, you have to let the person make their own mistakes because that's only the best way to learn. Um, experience is the best teacher. You can do so much with knowledge, Um you know, when you share it, but I think it, it's important for somebody to physically learn it and mentally learn it. Dude, that's so that's, that's some good advice right there, guys. Thank you. I mean, just, just enjoy, enjoy what you're doing. Don't lose the fun and the passion from it. Just keep on trying to, to find what's unknown and what's hidden out there. Um, with that, I think that's that was a pretty, pretty awesome discussion. I'm going to go ahead and uh, stop the recorded section. Oh, uh, before I do, of course, uh, thanks for listening to Bigfoot Society Clubhouse. Uh, we'll see you again next week, Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Um, and thanks for listening.